At the beginning of every year, uh, I always try and spend time thinking and praying about the year which is unfolding. And so I think about last year, and no matter how good or how bad it was, uh, I want things to be better. How many people want things to be better in 2017 than they were last year? How many people had a stink year last year? Come on, be honest. Yeah. About a third of us had a really, really, really difficult time. But no matter whether it was a good year or whether it was a bad year, uh, we always want things to be better. The thing is, though, that if we keep on doing the things that we've been doing, we're going to get what we've always got. And so we need to be thinking about how can we change things around so that we can position ourselves to receive what God has for us this year. And positioning is really, really, really important. Like this year, during the holidays, uh, we came up and spent a week at uh, Cooper's Beach, and we always take the kids for a swim in Cable Bay. And this year, uh, my son Stephen decided to uh, try and teach his five-year-old how to surf. So they're tiny wee little waves, you know. But um, basically, he'd put Ezra on the, on the surfboard, and then he'd um, look and see the waves coming. He'd position himself, and then just at the right time, he'd push him off. And, of course, he'd get that wave, and little Ezra ended up standing up on the surfboard for the first time. And it was absolutely, absolutely awesome. But the thing is, uh, Stephen didn't create the wave. All he did was he positioned the surfboard to be able to catch that wave. And the things of God, we don't create ourselves. But what we need to do is position ourselves to be able to catch what God is doing through the power of his Holy Spirit. I think there are two key disciplines that are going to help you and help me position ourselves in the right place. The first discipline that we always need to take on board is studying the Word of God. Now, I'm one of these guys who, who loves inquisitiveness. I've been born with an inquisitive nature. So when I'm watching TV programs, I like things like CSI, NCIS, you know, all of those, any, any whodunits, I'm there. And with a science background, with the laboratory side, I just love that, uh, that side of things. But uh, the thing is, I need to take that inquisitiveness into my study of the Bible. Uh, I'm reading the Bible through uh, once every year. And how many people have found that there are some scriptures that don't seem that inspiring? Anyone got stuck in numbers? Yeah, all right. And uh, so we, we need to use our investigative skills to uncover God's truths. And I think a great scripture about the Word of God is 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you want to be equipped for every good work, you've got to get into the Word of God. And there are four things that are mentioned there. Let me just go over them quickly. Teaching shows us the way to live. Rebuking shows us where we have failed. Correcting shows us how to get back on track. Training shows us how to stay on track. The second discipline, and it's the one that I want to talk to you about this morning, is we need, to, we need prayer to build our relationship with God. I was talking to a new Christian a couple of months back, and they said, Pastor Don, I don't really know how to pray. 
And I'm sure every one of us have had those situations, those circumstances that we, we just don't know how to pray. So this morning, I want to dive into 1 Chronicles and uh, show you a really, really simple prayer that made a huge difference, a prayer that God answered. And the elements of this prayer are something that we can incorporate into our prayer life as well. But let me just give you some background of this, because the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles are taken up with the official family tree of the Hebrew uh, tribes. Talk about boring. I mean, there is a list of more than 500 names, and most of those you can't pronounce. And this morning's text is one of those hidden gems found right in the middle of this list of names. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, the list of names continued, but 44 names in uh, the chapter, uh, at verse 9, there is a, pre- a parenthesis, a breakout, a- an amazing insertion, a-, a great story breaks out. And that's our, cha- that's our verse for this morning, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and starting at verse 9, and it says this. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. And the first thing that my inquisitive mind thinks about when I read that passage is, what was it about Jabez that caused his name and his prayer to be highlighted above all the hundreds of names that are found in that book? It's the only time in the Bible that his name is mentioned, but God thought he was so significant that not only does he record his name, but he records his story. Well, firstly, Jabez didn't allow the adversity and the difficulties of his past to dictate his future. Jabez didn't allow the adversity and the difficulties of his past to dictate his future. Those of you who had horrible 2016, this is for you. In the Hebrew, Jabez means pain. Imagine being called pain. Oh, come here, pain. Oh, pain, will you do the dishes tonight? I mean, what a pain. Uh, Jabez had that all through his life. And it wasn't just about having a name that would cause him hurt and ridicule, but it's how his name could have defined his future that's really important. Because for a Hebrew, your name normally defined your character and would prophetically map out your future. So when a person's character or destiny changed, then often their name was changed also. Just think through some of those. Like Saul's name was changed to Paul. Simon was changed to Peter. Abraham was changed to Abraham. Jacob was changed to Israel, all of them as their character or their destiny changed, so their name was changed. But, but Jabez, the pain, didn't change his name, but he refused to have his life dictated by what anybody else said about him. 
Maybe you've been told or you've thought that you're useless, you're, you're worthless, you're an idiot, you're a fool, you're a failure, you're good for nothing, you're hopeless. Proverbs 12, 18 says that a reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. You know, every one of us hear these barbs from time to time. As I was preparing this, I was really amazed to think that the only primary school teacher whose name I couldn't remember was my standard one teacher called Mr. Clegg. And I remember his name because one day he pulled me up by the ear and he told me that his four-year-old son could spell and write better than him. Than me. Yeah, than me. And then I thought, today I thought, well, I bet you his four-year-old son didn't get a degree in biotechnology. I bet his four-year-old son didn't become the technical executive of New Zealand Dairy. I bet his four-year-old son didn't become the head of the missions for the Assemblies of God in New Zealand. And I began to think, and I thought, wow, praise God. Isn't it fantastic the way that God's got a plan for our lives, and it's far better than the plan or the reckless words that other people would try and put on us. And so we need to choose to believe what God says about us. Don't receive false accusations. Don't let bitter words become a curse in your life. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set captives free, and we need him to heal us from rejection and those reckless words. And God actually arrested me at one time and began to cleanse me and began to heal me and began to speak positive things into my life and to break the curse and break the power of those words that have been spoken on us. Sometimes it's a family history that needs to be broken. Bible tells us that the sins of the father are visited to the third and fourth generation, but the blessing of God to a thousand generations. And that tells me that the blessing of God is so, so, so much more powerful than any family curses, than any things that have been put on us uh, historically. Jabez, at some stage in his life, decided that he would believe what God said about him rather than the label he'd been given. And so he turns pain into prayer, and he prayed a prayer that God answered and resulted in God's blessing. And the first thing that Jabez prays is he says, God, bless me. In fact, he doesn't just say that. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And that is like, that word indeed is like adding five exclamation marks or writing the request in capital letters and underlining it. And it was as if he was saying, God, I really, 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 really want you to bless me and bless me a lot. And right now, some of you are thinking, well, isn't that a bit selfish? Well, no. Think of the alternatives. If you don't ask God to bless you, you're either asking God to curse you or you're not asking at all. And Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. In fact, it's, it, the tense of the Greek word is actually gives that verse the, the meaning, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, and then the door will be opened. In James 4.2, we read, 
you do not have because you don't ask God. See, the blessed life was God's plan for mankind right from the beginning. So that means it was God's plan for you is to bless you. Every day of our lives, we should be asking God to bless us, knowing that His very nature is to bless. And when we ask God for His blessing, we're not asking for more of what we could do for ourselves. We're asking for His divine, miraculous intervention in our lives to bring about His plans and His purposes in our lives. In fact, it's impossible to fulfill the plans and purposes of God for your life without God's blessing. If you've got a dream and it doesn't include God, if you've got a dream and it doesn't include the miraculous, then your dream's too small. Because God's dreams that He gives us, that He gives us, always require His intervention and His miraculous power flowing in us and flowing through us. Proverbs 10 verse 22, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. So Jabez was more honorable in God's sight than his brothers because he was absolutely committed to God's plans and purposes coming to pass in his life. And so God answered his prayer. You know, asking God to bless me has been a regular prayer for me over the years. And God has. I can't think of a period in my life where God wasn't blessing me. Gave me great jobs, gave me an amazing wife, fantastic kids. God is good. In fact, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment which basically says that God is good and he's better than we know he is. He's far better. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to realize just how good God really is and how fantastically loving he actually is towards us. Uh, when you want nothing more or nothing less than God's plans for your life, you can pray with confidence, God, God bless me. And you know that he miraculously will. We all need to extend and stretch our faith and dare to expect more of God's favor and blessing in our lives, because the second thing that Jabez praises, he says, God enlarge my territory. In other words, he wanted more influence and more opportunities to make a difference for God. He was looking at his present circumstances and he was saying, Surely I was born for more than this. God, Expand my influence for you. Every person here this morning needs more of the blessing of God in their lives and needs more of God working through them to expand their influence for the kingdom. God wants you to have an expanded influence for him in your family. God wants you to have an expanded influence for him amongst your friends, at your place of work. I think back and look at how God just opened doors for me. I, when I joined New Zealand Dairy in 1974, I worked in a laboratory in a little place called Martangi, which is just out of Hamilton. 
I was just a lab technician. My wife was a physiotherapist. But, you know, my heart was for God. I always prayed that God would bless me and that he would open up opportunities for me. And it was just amazing. Within, within a decade of my, in fact, not even a decade, within nine years of my joining the dairy company, I'd risen uh, through the ranks till I got to the position of technical executive for New Zealand Dairy. I was traveling the world, went around the world a couple of times. I was the number one authority in, in water and wastewater treatment in New Zealand, uh, in the dairy industry. I had people calling from overseas. And I look back and I think, wow, how did that happen? It wasn't because I was smart, but it was because God opened up the door of influence for me. I remember being able to Witness to my general manager, the new general manager of New Zealand Dairy Company, who subsequently became a Christian. I remember praying for my secretary. She had just left um, Scalarup, New Zealand, uh, where she was secretary to the general manager. She came to work for me as technical executive. Very first week that uh, she was with me, uh, she'd had two-week break between, between jobs. She was out in the garden. She hurt her wrist. She got RSI working in the garden. And as a secretary, if you've got RSI, no good for typing. No good for typing. She didn't really know me. I didn't really know her, but I was her boss, so I pulled her into my office and said, look, can I pray for you? Well, she couldn't really say no. So I prayed for her. And uh, guess what happened? No, she didn't. She didn't get healed. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. But a few months later, when I uh, I'd left the dairy company, um, I'd resigned my job, become a minister, and I, I met um, Leslie uh, socially. She said to me, she said, you know, Don, the most beautiful thing that's ever happened in my life was when you prayed for me in the office. She said... Uh, I didn't get healed at that stage, but four weeks later, I gave my heart to the Lord. She got born again. She said, and I'm still going on for God. Take every opportunity to be an influence for Jesus Christ in your place of work, amongst your neighbors, those that people bring across your path each day. Our territory and influence is not determined by our abilities, but it's determined by our availability and our faithfulness and God's will and power. It's not our wisdom or strength or resources, but God working through us that's going to make a difference. And we need to be a church and a people who pray every day, God, increase my influence for you. Expand my territory. And as a congregation, as a family of God here, Church Unlimited Kaitaia, we want the influence of this church to be spread throughout the community, don't we? We want God's kingdom to come. We want his will to be done. We want the culture in Kaitaia to be the culture of the kingdom. And we can pray that, and we can pray that together, and we can expect that God will enlarge our influence. And coming this morning, I just really sensed, you know, during the worship, you guys are going up to another level. You're already at another level, but don't stop there. Go again. Go again. Go again. I, I look... I look forward to the day when I come up here to, to minister the Word of God and there's another three or four or five rows back there because the influence of the kingdom 
has spread through this place. The third thing that Jabez praises, uh, Jabez prays. He says, God, that you would be with me. The greatest godly men and women in history all have one thing in common. They have a total dependence on God. When Jabez prays and we pray, God, I want your hand to be with me, we're asking God for his presence and his power to be our portion, and we're reaffirming for ourselves the need for God's presence and power in our lives. And we have an advantage over Jabez. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to one or two special people. But anybody here who has been born again of the Spirit of God has the Spirit of God dwelling within them. And he says he'll never leave us nor forsake him. And in fact, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling within us, quickening our mortal bodies. So we have the Holy Spirit with us. But when we pray, God, be with us, we're reminding of ourselves that he actually is. And if we are to become everything that God has created us to be, and if we are to accomplish all the plans and the purposes for us, then we're going to live a life of dependence and partnership with God. We need his presence, but we also need his power to accomplish his plans. When God opens up opportunities for us to have an expanded influence for the kingdom of God, then we need to be able to fully take hold of those opportunities. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. God's dreams for us require God's miraculous power working through us for their accomplishment. No wonder we need to pray, people, each day that God's presence and power would be with us. And God is just watching. He's waiting for you and I just to ask for more of his manifest presence and supernatural power. Uh, imagine if your kids came to you and said, Dad, What more can I do for you today? How can I help you better? Now, I know some of you would fall on the ground. Others of you would hit yourself in the head thinking, is this real or am I dreaming? But the reality is when our Heavenly Father hears us praying that, when our Heavenly Father hears us asking for more influence and more of his presence and more of his power, what's he going to do? He's going to give it to us. He's going to give it to us. I remember... The very first time I went with a team from uh, Hamilton AOG, as it was back then, uh, on a missions trip to India, we were flying into Madras, which is now called Chennai, and as we were coming in, it was as if I was engulfed by a spirit of fear, and I thought, what on earth am I doing here? Have you ever had that sort of a feeling at times? You get yourself in a situation, you think, why did I do that? Uh, I thought, what have I got to offer? I'm not greatly gifted. But then I prayed, God, you have to give me a love for these people. You have to fill me with your presence and with your power. 
And you know what? He did. I hadn't met very many Indian people before that time, but as soon as that plane hit the deck, the tarmac, it was as if I was just overwhelmed by a supernatural love for the people that we saw. Uh, the rest of the team uh, went up north. Uh, I stayed in Hyderabad for a time. And we saw hundreds of people saved. We saw scores of people healed and delivered, including lepers. I remember one, one girl coming up to me and her hand was twisted like this. And as I prayed, and I hadn't been a person who had prayed much for healing or anything like that before. I'd never, ever delivered a person of an evil spirit before this time. But God answered my prayer. And this, this girl, she came up with a hand twisted like this. And as I prayed, the hand just came, came round, came round, just saw it like this, and then opened up, just completely healed. I remember praying for a young guy, and he had trouble studying, had trouble sleeping. I just stretched out my hand to begin to pray with them, and immediately he was thrown to the ground, just like you read in the Bible, and he began to just to manifest. So I just went down, prayed, the demon came out, came up completely, completely, completely peaceful and healed. I remember another lady, we were up north of Carmoretti, and she came up, as soon as she came up, the devil just threw her to the ground, and she began to slither on the ground like a python. Uh, her husband was just so, so upset at this manifestation that he grabbed her and pulled her out of the meeting. She came back the next night, and this time we knew what to expect. So when the demon threw her to the ground, <coughs> we jumped on her and prayed, and she was just completely delivered. We had a baptismal service two days later. She was the first person to be baptized. And she just had just a radiant glow, as new Christians do. It was absolutely, absolutely amazing. It wasn't me. It wasn't the other guys in our team. It was the Holy Spirit moving through us. None of us had been involved in that sort of ministry before. But we asked and we believed that God would move, move through us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And you can believe that for your everyday life. We are called to live a supernatural life, allowing the Holy Spirit to move in us and, and the Holy Spirit moving through us. And we all need more of that because how is Kaitaia going to get saved unless they see that our God is real and our God is a supernatural God and our God is the one who makes a difference in their everyday life. Most people in the city aren't, aren't wondering what's going to happen to them when they die. They're just wondering what's going to happen to them tomorrow and today. And they need to know that God loves them, God cares for them, God's got a plan and a purpose for their life, and that emptiness that they feel in, inside, they need to know that God can fill that emptiness and give them something that they've never had before, and that's the peace of God. They don't need alcohol to get it, they don't need drugs to get it, they just need the Holy Spirit to minister His love to them. You know... God answers our heart cry. It says 2 Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The last thing that Jabez prays is he prays, Oh, that you would keep me from evil. When you begin to live the blessed life, when your life starts to move from the ordinary to the extraordinary, when 
your territorial influence for the kingdom starts to increase, guess whose turf you are invading? Yep. The evil one. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is just such a necessary request for each and every one of us to make every day because Satan wants you to fail. God's for you, but Satan is against you. If God's got a great plan for your life, Satan has the opposite. He wants you to fail. He wants, you, he wants to spend eternity with you, that's for sure. But he wants to crush you. He doesn't want you to succeed. And I could spend hours telling you about the straight-out demonic attacks that Penny and I have had to battle through over the years. And while they can and do take their toll on a person's life, more damage is done when we yield to temptation than anything that Satan might try and do to us. You see, sin came into the world when Adam and Eve yielded to temptation. The one thing that will keep you from the blessing of God is sin in your life. The one thing that will limit the increase of your influence for the kingdom is sin. We're praying for revival. We're praying for more of God's presence. Well, God is not going to pour out His Holy Spirit on you and give you more power, more influence, more of His presence unless He can trust you. And if you're living in sin, if you've got sin in your life, then it's the one thing that will cause the Holy Spirit to withdraw from you. So we need to ask God to help to keep us from evil so we can avoid the snares of the enemy. The more influence you have, the more of a target you will become. And the more people will get hurt if you sin. That's why Jabez prays, keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt others. So I pray, God, keep me from evil. We've got a church of about 500 in Whangarei. Imagine what would happen if I had to stand in front of the congregation there and say, look guys, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I've been living in an adulterous relationship for the last three weeks or so and I have to step down from the pulpit. Imagine what that would do in a congregation. Imagine how they would be crushed. Imagine how my wife would be crushed. Imagine how my family would be crushed. It wouldn't be just me who would be bearing the consequences of something like that. But because God has increased my territory, because God has increased my influence, all those people who have been influenced by me would, would suffer the consequences of my yielding to temptation. So as you pray, increase my influence. Realize that you also have to increase the barriers, the protection. You have to be wise in the position that God is going to allow you to step into. Some of you need to resurrect some boundaries in your life to keep yourself well away from temptation. Now, Jabez, it says, was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because, I've, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, 
and that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. 